Hey, this is Kevin from Kevin's Barbecue Joints, and welcome to episode 298 of the Kevin's Barbecue Joints podcast. And I'm super excited to bring you this interview with Ben Gilbert and Jeff Kennedy from Moe's Original Barbecue. They're talking out of their Eagle location in Vail, Colorado. That was the first year-round location, and they have a third business partner, Mike Fernandez. He's not on this, but this one is really cool because I've always been curious, how did they expand so quickly? They have 54 locations, and it wasn't necessarily really quickly, but how did they expand to that many locations, and how did three guys from Alabama do this in Colorado, starting off in Colorado? There's a lot to unpack, and you'll get to understand that this isn't like your usual chain or franchise. They actually call it a franchise, which could come to bite you, which they discussed too, but it's different because of the way that they've handled their business from the beginning and how they've moved forward and what their philosophy is. And then we talk a lot about the pandemic and how it affected them and how it affected the chain and how it affects restaurants in general. And one big takeaway from this, and I hope that you guys, I'm sure most people listen to this are this way, but treat your servers and staff at restaurants well, the ones when you go to visit a restaurant, because they're under a lot of pressure these days. Staffing issues are huge across the nation for any type of restaurants, especially barbecue joints. But also food costs are high, and, and overall it's just people are, there's more people coming out, so they're busy. And just, you know, take a step back and realize that things might be slower or out of place, but you're out of your house. So there, if that's a takeaway, that's a good takeaway, but you could really get a chance to learn about Jeff and Ben and their attitudes and how they felt when they decided to franchise, quote unquote, franchise this and the fears and the real anxieties. And maybe if you're interested in building your business or eventually opening up something and then opening multiple, multiple, multiple locations, uh, maybe this could be a roadmap or at least some insight into how that goes about and what it's like and Talking to these two guys, you wouldn't know that they had 54 locations, but by the end, you'll understand why. So if that makes any sense, and I think it will be clear by the end. But I can't thank Ben and Jeff enough for taking the time during their busy time to sit down, tell their story, and talk all about Moe's menu and everything about them. So now when you're traveling somewhere and you see them on the map, I'm sure you'll definitely give them a visit. And the Kevin's Barbecue Joints podcast and YouTube show is brought to you by Centex Smokers. Centex Smokers is out of Luling, Texas. Michael Johnson's doing an amazing job. The best way to get a hold of him is Centex underscore smokers on Instagram. Give him a DM. He's about 12 to 14 months out. Once you look at his stuff and follow him, you'll definitely want to order if you're in the market to order a smoker or pit. Again, that's Centex Smokers out of Luton, Texas. I'm also sponsored by, which is really awesome, Flores Tortillas. They're at floreztortillas.com. Every Monday at 10 a.m. Texas time, he drops dozens and dozens of tortillas online that you can order. They sell out really quickly, so make sure to follow Flores Tortillas on Instagram. That way you can get updates. Also, he pops up once or twice on the weekends to sell them at a physical location near Whitney, Texas. And there's also a bunch of barbecue joints that carry them. It's hands down one of the best tortillas you'll ever try with smoked beef tallow. Again, florestortillas.com. And I have a website at kevinsbbqjoints.com. Links on my podcast, YouTube stuff, as well as these massive lists that I'm putting together. Lots of stuff within the barbecue joint world. Again, that's kevinsbbqjoints.com. But at the end, thanks so much for listening. Enjoy this interview. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Good. Doing good. You? Uh, doing well, yeah. It's, uh, it's Things are starting to... I'm in Los Angeles. Are you guys... Where are you guys right now? Are you in Colorado? Yep, we're in Colorado. This is where we primarily live now. And unless we're just traveling around visiting stores and 
Um, we've got our two company-owned stores here, one in Eagle and one in uh, Lion's Head, right next to Vail Village. Oh, okay. So, so you guys, it's a, such an interesting, intriguing story because Moe's, I'm sure most people listening to this has heard of Moe's and they, they don't necessarily always live by one, but if they've, if they've searched for any barbecue or something online, they see one. How did this all start? You guys grew up in Alabama, right? Are you guys all from Alabama, all three of you? Well, there's only two of you that's right there. But. Yep. All three of us grew up in Alabama, um, went to school at the University of Alabama, and then after that... Uh, one by one moved out towards the Vail Valley. So you, were you guys interested in like skiing and stuff or was it just to get a, like a better clean, like a cool, cause the air's better, everything's better up there? Our other partner, Mike, who's not with us this morning, um, came out, there's a culinary school. Johnson and Wales had yeah. an accredited culinary school in, in Vail. Okay. Um, and so he came out for that. And then I think Ben and I just came for the love of skiing after college and kind of all hooked up in the same area and decided to, uh, to bring, you know, barbecue, just needed some good Southern food out here really. So we started cooking for, you know, local, local friends, birthdays and stuff like that. And one thing led to another. So when you guys came out, were you guys like working at ski resorts and doing that kind of thing? Yeah, we're all running, uh, different restaurants for other people. And, oh. you know, we did work at the ski resort for a brief period. And, you know, our main thing was just, to. We always worked nights and we'd ski all day and um, and work the night shift. And as like Jeff said, we there are a lot of people doing barbecue around the valley uh, as specials, but none of it was really good. And um, there was a niche to be filled that we saw and we kind of gambled on it and, and went for it and kind of developed it from there. We found a 40 foot horse trailer that had kind of been changed into a kitchen on wheels we found it down in durango and oh really we put all of our money together which wasn't much <laughs> at the time and all two hundred dollars and uh we we got a loan through first bank here in the valley and we're able to uh, to make it happen you know we found an empty corner in edwards colorado okay and we rented that out for the summer and started in uh, june of 2001 and sold out every day for the summer and then that was kind of the the beginning there what kind of menu were you guys serving there very basic uh core menu uh pork chicken ribs to start and then we had beans slaw chips and pudding so it was it was very very simple menu at the time and we would just go until we sold out every day and we'd usually make it till around five o'clock every day and sell out and then we'd go back to our commissary kitchen, start it all over for the next day. Was it Alabama style, would you say then? Like, would you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. It was all Alabama influence that we grew up with. Our concept kind of developed through, you know, Alabama barbecue joints and then uh, the meat and three. So we kind of combined those two styles. You know, we just really wanted to make everything good. You know, we grew up going to all these famous barbecue joints in Alabama, but they were always known for just one thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, I think Jeff and Mike and I, we always thought that was weird that you were just known for one thing. And so we we really wanted to develop, develop a concept where everything was good and we were cooking it from scratch every day. Do you know what a meat and three is? Yeah, yeah, meat and three. And, and uh, explain what that is for people that might not know. So meat and three is is typically kind of cafeteria style. 
you go you go through a line and you'll have five or six meats to choose from. You pick one of those and then you'll have, you know, a dozen different casseroles, salads, soul food type sides. Um, so you pick two, three, four sides to go with it. You get a piece of cornbread at the end of the line and then a glass of sweet tea. So that's kind of that's kind of the southern meat and three style of soul food, which, uh, as Ben mentioned, you know, we kind of combine our two favorite genres being straight up barbecue and then soul food and, uh, and brought the two together to make what Moe's original barbecue is now. So were you guys selling plates to people? Is that how kind of you set it up? But did that make it easy for people? Yes. I mean, obviously out of the trailer, it was, yeah, you can't, you can't do that. Line. Yeah. yeah. It worked out great. And, uh, you know, we just kind of have been uh, from that summer, we've kind of been building, uh, each year and, uh, you know, we finally got a brick and mortar spot in uh, Lions Head Village. That was our first real location. And then a couple years later, moved down here to Eagle. And, uh, you know, we've kind of been growing it ever since then with uh, friends and family. And, you know, we, we jumped in the whole franchising thing. Man, it's, you know, kind of grown from there slowly over the years. And it's a... Uh, it's been great to see it grow and it's been exciting. And you never imagined it to be what it is today, did you? No, no, <laughs> I personally didn't. I mean, we, we, the three of us knew we wanted to grow the brand, yeah. you know, and, and we knew we had friends that were interested in opening some other stores um, in different areas. It, it just kind of, kind of grew from there. You know, it was, it was a very organic growth. It was not anything that we really pushed. And I'll be honest, we still don't really push it to this day. We look for people to come to us, and then we we see what we can do from there. So was it called Moe's at the beginning? Yes. Yep. Moe's Original Barbecue. It's named after Moses Day down in Alabama. Taught our partner, Mike, how, ah. to, how to fire roast meats. And uh, so named named it after him. Um, it was started on a, on a little different scale in Tuscaloosa by Mike Fernandez, and um, when we when we restarted the the concept here, um, what it, what has grown to be now, we started in Vail, Colorado. Was it mostly tourists that you got? Because it's because Vail is other the people live in Vail year round, but there's a large percentage of people that come for what ski. I guess ski season, but now more there's a lot of biking. There's a lot of hike. There's that's that's evolved over the years, right? At the beginning, it wasn't probably it was cyclical, right? Yeah, I mean, we always focus on the locals from day one. You know, that's who we wanted to take care of. And then we know if you take care of your locals, then they'll refer True. all the tourists to you. So, uh, you know, we've got a really good mix. I mean, we, we consider ourselves, a, we, we try to, to be for the locals here. And then, you know, it, it's grown and uh, a lot of the tourists know about us. Now at both locations, not just our our Vail location, yeah. uh, a lot of people flying in to uh, Vail land right here in Eagle. So their first stop will be to stop at Moe's on their way to their condo or That's wherever nice. they're staying. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's been a great uh, location for us to take advantage of the airport and get everybody. But yeah, we. We really, from the beginning, we're focusing on the locals. You know, that's that's our, those are our bread and butter. That's who we want to take care of. Why did you guys, this is kind of a little off top, why did you stay in Colorado? What what made you love Colorado so much? 
You ever been here? I, I know I have. My, da- my dad was born in Denver, so no, I, I love Colorado. I, I could live in Colorado. I live in Los Angeles. I could move in two seconds if I want, if I could. I'm taking care it's, of my mom right it's now. It's awesome. Actually, right before we started this call, we were just discussing that it wasn't so awesome today because it's a blizzard in mid-May. Oh, weird. And we're, we're over the snow, obviously, yeah, ready yeah. to move into spring and summer. But, you know, it's just a Colorado is a beautiful place, Special, right? and, and Vale is a really neat place to call home. And now we, we have kids and, you know, pretty established families here. So it's, this is certainly our home at this point. If someone was, was to say they wanted to come to that Eagle location, how far away from Denver is Eagle? Two hours. Two hours. Right. right two. Yeah. And from, if you fly into, if you fly into the airport in Denver, mm-hmm. it's about a two hour drive. And what was it like mentally when you guys franchise did your first franchise? Like when someone came to you to franchise, what was that like? Or did you guys, were you nervous to turn over the reins to someone else? Or did someone, one of you three go there and make sure and oversee things? Or how does that happen? Because pe- people probably are curious, how does franchising even happen? Right. The, the first five or six that we opened were really just with, with employees or friends. It wasn't even a franchise at that point. We just literally had, you know, a handshake deal. Just like you, just oh, like you joke about, kind of a, a, a napkin written on at a bar <laughs> one night, and we'd get to the end of those first couple years, and nobody knew what was what, who gets this, who gets that. So we uh, we finally we kind of we we studied and and tried to understand what what different types of growth looked like, mm. and and really the franchise we we kind of look at it. Um, from from the very beginning is more of like a franchise. Um, I like that. Started somewhat as a a loose franchising operation because it was our friends and and family and employees. But we just decided that that was that was kind of the the best way for us to be able to grow efficiently and and let the local owner actually own the restaurant and, and take it as their own instead of trying to hire management from afar and, and grow the franchise model just I think just kind of works, you know. And it's been it's people that are passionate about it and that care about you guys and care about it. It's a unique type of franchise, I guess. It's not yeah, like a franchise. I've never heard that term, but that does make sense. How many locations do you have and how many different states? Fifty four. Fifty four right now and uh I'm not sure. Um, I can't keep up because of the whole COVID. We, we, <laughs> we've had a tough time at uh, uh, through COVID, but we'll get into that later. Our, our our states are dwindling, but we're we're hanging on, and uh, you know it's been interesting. But we'll get into that. Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so 54 story. locations currently. 54 right now, and uh, uh, taking a step back to your original question, yeah. I, I'll be honest. When we got into the franchising thing, I was ner. I mean. Again, we still didn't have much money, and uh, that's probably the reason we didn't go the corporate store owned. Uh, we just didn't have uh, the the means to continue the growth, yeah. and we knew this was our, our another pathway to take. And uh, but yeah, I was nervous. I was really nervous. I'll never forget the day we went to go sign the franchise papers to make it official and. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was exciting, but de- definitely very nerve wracking. And but we jumped in, and 
you know, we uh, kind of have adapted up through the years and, and we continue to. I mean, that's kind of our thing. We're just continuing to adapt and, and change and make things more efficient. And uh, it's a uh, it's it's been an interesting ride. It's also probably interesting because the three of you guys are good friends. And so that's mm-hmm. with it with stress and work and life and families and uh, like it's when you see something like say you see the, a documentary or something on McDonald's and how they like you just see them sign stuff and it has a montage and then at the end they're big and and you don't hear about like there's you know it's like you said you were nervous signing that franchise that first document oh, yeah. that's that's a big deal. It's a real big it, Oh, it definitely was. I mean, I'll never forget that day. I thought I was going to throw up. I was like, what are we doing? You know, I was just like. Of course, that makes but, sense. But, you know, we've had some great, uh, we have some, we had some great partners to get in with uh, there at the beginning. Uh, Kevin and Eric Witherington out of Birmingham, Alabama. Um, you know, they, they really believed in the concept and Mark White down in South Alabama they uh you know they were some of the first people that we really got in with and you know they've been great partners and you know couldn't have done it without them and likewise with all our other partners that we're in with right now they're just we've been very lucky with some some really good partners through the years and um that's and and like you said passionate partners you know you've got to be passionate about this it's hard it's hard work and if you're not passionate about it that's a lot of work yeah i mean we we've lost some some partners that we thought were passionate over the years and you know we were it's it's hard work it's a real commitment yeah 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 Yeah. and and interviewing these owners of restaurants and pitmasters and such as they call across the united states over these three four years i've realized that a lot, a lot of people in their minds think they can own a restaurant or think they can own a barbecue place or a bar. Like it's like the dream, and you see it on movies and things. But it's a, there's a lot of work, and it's there's lots of little nuances. There's lots of taxes and paperwork and health department. There's just so many facets. It's 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 a lot. Yeah. I, I think your average most people on the outside as, as customers in a restaurant they see the glamorous side of, of restaurant ownership. They see us out there, you know, hosting a party and a band on the patio and pouring your friends beers and shots and hanging out. But from the outside looking in, I think they, they miss some of those mm-hmm. years of, of uh, really difficult work in the trenches of, of trying to make a restaurant successful because it's a, uh, you know, it, I think all small businesses have, have their set of, of hurdles and difficulties, obviously, to get going. But in the restaurant world, I think I think it's just it's exceptionally it's its own little beast mm-hmm. uh, between the, the labor situation and and your that's your true. product and refrigerator. That's it is it's never getting better. Everything mm-hmm. is continually yeah degrading. Uh-huh. So you know it's it's always a race against time to, to sell and to to turn product over and to keep you know kind of a minimal wage employee labor market engaged and passionate about what you're doing so it's it's an interesting industry for sure yeah that is interesting because when I, I worked at a supermarket for a little while and I kept thinking that everything on the shelf is like expiring like it's all there's like a, a certain shelf life for everything here, like for, other than maybe like the wines or things like things, but everything is you got to get that thing out the door and get into people's hands. And with food, too, and with a restaurant, it's 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 really unique. How did when COVID, when the pandemic was was with things in January, February, were you guys getting an inkling that? 
things were, were changing? Was it was it hitting Colorado the same way? It was in your other locations the same way? And then what was it like once things got shut down? Yeah. Well, so that's a long know, question. I'll be, a, I think I'll go, but I'll start before March, okay. which March 15th is when it really hit here. Okay. And that's when uh, I think I was down here in Eagle and Jeff called me from Vail and they're like, they just shut the mountain down and the season's over with. And, but before that, throughout the winter, I, we were having just, it, it was crazy how many kids were sick uh, of our, our employees. And, uh, you know, at one point I remember turning to Jeff, I'm like, is this like a bad joke that someone's playing on us? Because we just were losing employees every other day. And we were like, what is going on? Like, so I personally think that we were experiencing COVID way before mm-hmm. it really was a big thing. And I think most of our staff had already had it, not knowing what like was December, really going right? on. Dece- like December, right? Like, yeah, I think November, yeah. December, I think it was hitting Los Angeles too. I, this yeah. is probably not yeah. what people would, but the doctors might say, but I was really sick in December. Like I had to go through two rounds of antibiotics. I was, there was something that was going around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could see that. So you guys, so and, you were experiencing it before. Yeah, but we didn't know, yeah. but, you know, it was just about to drive Jeff and I crazy because every other day we were losing an employee and I was, we were running back and forth between restaurants to make sure they're covered. And, uh, wow. but then afterwards I'll let Jeff take kind of the rest after that. It was, it was a wild ride after that. But they all had the, they all had the flu, but they all tested negative for the flu all winter. Yeah. And so he's just like, are these guys just. Are they just being lazy and sitting at home? What's going on here? We couldn't figure it out. But then we went on a, um, we we did a small group. We brought a dozen of our partners from around the country out, and we did a, a three a three day trip into the mountains, into a hut trip, and we did some oh, wow. some uh, some really neat kind of team development stuff up in the woods. And cool. and when wow. we came out, I'll never forget the as we came back into cell range, we were skiing back out of the mountains and everybody's phone started blowing up and and by the time we got to the cars i mean the colleges were shutting down and, and that's when it was all oh my gosh it was it was kind of rowdy to us we had partners from everywhere getting you know the restaurants were getting shut down and whatnot across the country so oh that, that's that's so bizarre i've never talked to anybody that had that happen where they were out of range Kind of not seeing what what's happening in the world. Yeah, I think the the first one when we got back to the cars and we're unloading gear and packing everything up was our uh, partner from um, Charlottesville, Virginia, where the University of Virginia is, and he just he's like looking at Jeff and I. He's like, the college just shut down, and we were like, what? Whoa. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> I was like, they're not going to shut down the college, and I mean, yeah, I mean, it was like it was a major blow to him because. I mean, he had multiple big events uh, coming up and, you know, catered events with the university and just, it was pretty much a dagger in his heart right there, man. It was a, it was a, it was a tough one for him to take and, and the dominoes just kind of kept falling that afternoon with phone calls coming in from all over. So, uh, that was a, that was an interesting one. Um, but, uh, moving Moving forward, you know, um, we, you know, our mountain, the Vail Mountain decided to shut down on March the 15th. Um, so therefore the whole village was just a ghost, ghost town. Mm -hmm. So we obviously had to shut that store down for a little while because 
I, I've never seen it that empty where no, there was no one in town. So we focused all our efforts down here in Eagle and, and all our efforts in, in being on the phone and trying to help everybody navigate, which we didn't know what was going on. So it was just oh, kind of the blind leading the blind. But basically we knew uh, in-house, in-house dining was done. So we were just trying to get out messages to everyone to basically change the whole concept mm-hmm. and to, to a drive-through pickup operation. And um, we scrambled to get our new online ordering uh, system up, which we had already been working on. And luckily we were at a um, kind of a, a good point to, to launch that. And, uh, you know, as far as down here in Eagle goes, we just, we jumped right into, we were a drive-through and uh, we, we kind of just changed all of our operations and packaging and, and we're ready to go into full on takeout. Was it hard to get all the packet? Was that a difficult proposition? Cause I know some people had trouble getting packaging at the time too. That was, that was definitely, that, that still is an issue. Oh wow. <laughs> to some extent. Interesting. But it was, uh, you know, this first couple months it was pretty interesting. We let, we let a lot of our, our kind of line level staff take a few weeks off and we really brought our, our friend, our, franchise team into the restaurant here in Eagle and it was really kind of a it was super difficult but kind of a really neat learning time for us because we had a bunch of badasses in the restaurant and we were we were trying to adapt you know by the minute as mm-hmm. what was happening those first six or eight weeks but we really really had the talent in the kitchen and, and in the front of the house to for us to go back as a team and really think about the fundamentals of what made what has made Moe's Original Barbecue mm. successful. Because I think one thing that happened with us was with the franchise, yeah. you know, we you like that term. We kind of like the term, but the, the franchise thing maybe isn't as cool as we thought it was at first because <laughs> friends and money and business. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. No, I, I like the term, but I don't know if I like the, what it means necessarily. <laughs> right, right. But, but what had kind of happened is you know, with what we considered kind of a loose franchising model. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our attorney from day one was not happy with our decision to make it a little looser than most. And I think now, hindsight, you know, 12 years later, we understand why he didn't like that. <laughs> but what it had done is it had kind of, um, it had kind of splintered off into different directions. And, and we let we let one partner do this, and then it turns into this and that and that. And and so you start to lose some of the, the cohesiveness and some right. of the real fundamentals of what a, a franchise is built on. Um, so the COVID was really uh, a very productive time for us to to go back to the basics with our really core solid team and, and understand and put some of those fundamentals back in place and build a foundation that hopefully now as, as the COVID loosens its grip, you know, we're looking forward to a, a growth trajectory like hopefully we haven't ever seen before. You know, we, we, we really have, we really have a base built that we never had before COVID. We were more, you know, swinging from the hip every day before COVID. And now we brought our team in and, and really built the fundamental cornerstone of what is going to help us build the brand now. Yeah, because there's been so many terrible things, obviously, from the pandemic. But there's so there's a lot of silver linings, and 
that sounds like a silver lining for you guys. That's something that really was, you were able to regroup and get back. Cause I was curious too, did, does the menu begin in Eagle and then spread out? But it seems like if it was the, the franchise, people maybe were doing dancing their own, doing their own thing at times. Right. Yeah. You all, I mean, I, I think you, with our concept, we really wanted to not be the, the, you know, the Hitler at the top, just dropping yeah. the hammer. And we wanted to give people, uh, the store owners some sense of, you know, the, I own my business. I can make some decisions Be creative. and, uh, and in doing that, it's great. They're able to, to go in in the morning and, and decide, you know, what special sides they're going to yeah. do, what special they're going to do. Um, you know, have some creativity in there, which you don't get at a lot of other franchises, but the other side of that, you know, we have to manage certain, certain things that might start branching off and, uh, it, it is a, uh, it is something that we have to deal with on a daily basis, but we do at the end of the day, enjoy our partners, you know, having a sense of ownership and knowing that this is their business and they can go in and make some decisions. But, you know, we do have our core menu that we stick with and, and certain other uh, areas that are, that are set in stone, but, you know, we want these guys to not just, have zero creativity yeah. in their store. We it becomes stagnant. I agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just you know you you, you lose that passion. You know, after you know five ten years of being in there, it's just you know there's no creativity, like you said. We've, we've always kind of we've always kind of liked the idea and and lived behind the idea of from A to Z, it's Mo's original barbecue, and then from Z to the end of time it's it's kind of the local owner's character their community what's what what they like you know what they're into but now what we just you know we really need to go back to that a to z we still want from z on to be a local you know the local niche but from a to z really needs to be defined and and parameters put on it so that we as a as a brand we're growing together are all your locations open right now are they all fully open but for dining and everything yeah i think uh all except uh, still a few that are still doing takeout only okay but all in all we're 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 up and running you know um i will tell you that you know due to the labor shortage um I, we've got some people are reducing store hours some are shutting down for dinner. Some are shut for one day. Some are shut for two days a week, just because we're we're at the beginning of the summer and um, the staff, some yeah. of their their main core staff, has already worked to the bone. So um, I think we're going to continue to see that throughout the summer. I mean, Jeff and I met last week, and you know, he and I are are fully uh, expecting us to possibly get to that point where we have to shut down for a day because. You know, just the staffing has has been uh, just a constant. That's issue. happening across the United States. Are you so you guys are hiring across the board, right? Recruiting for all the all the locations probably are, right? Yeah, that, that's that's all I've been doing since last Wednesday is calling all the owners to talk about what we're seeing in the Mose landscape, what we're seeing across the board, what what's happening with uh, you know the the supply shortages, the labor shortages, and just trying to give everybody ideas of things to do. But, you know, I don't, there's not 
a lot of people that are hiring, period. Everyone is looking for help, but it's just not there. So if someone is looking, because I have a, a master list of, of nationwide barbecue joints that are looking for, that looking for help, looking for staffing, what's the best way to, is it to go through the Moe's, uh, the main website or go locally? What's the best way to? Through our website. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah. a way to apply for jobs. You can pick your location. Okay. You know, it's, uh, we're, we're just trying to go for anything. You know, our, our main uh, focus right now are high school kids. Um, which we've never done uh, a lot of, um, but last summer we we've been feeling the crunch out here because we're so seasonal. It really started to me, in my opinion, in 2017, is where we, huh. me personally, I was just like something's changed. It kind of feels different, you know. I feel like we're just constantly losing people, turnover. You know, it, it was just. It really seemed to jump up to the next level to me. We all, we've always had it. Don't get me wrong, but I just felt like as of that 17, 18 year, um, things really jumped up. But this year, we're hearing it from everybody oh, yeah. across the board. So it's, uh, it's concerning. You know, it's, you know, these guys are, our store owners are freaking out. You know, yeah. it's just like, man, what is going on? I've never seen anything like this, and. You know, unfortunately, that's what we've kind of been living for a little bit. But, uh, you know, you hate to see it for them. And um, I don't want them to have to experience anything like it. But at the same time, we've got to continue on and we've got to get some information out and 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 keep trying to come up with new ideas. There's probably a lot of different factors, but it's it's hurting you guys because you need bodies in there to just to help. Yeah, it is. Well, it's it's to be honest, I think. I think the industry is maybe more difficult right now than it was a year ago in, in the heat of COVID. You know, obviously those first couple months of COVID were a complete roller coaster. Yeah. But really the industry right now between between the labor market and the supply chain and the price of price, the of, price yeah. of goods. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it is a real it's a difficult landscape to navigate right now, you know, and on top of the difficulties in operations, then the masses are coming back, you know, to, to want to go out to eat, yeah. want to recreate and get out. So, so restaurants who are engaged in their communities are, are getting bombarded with business and we don't have the products or the labor to, yeah. to handle it almost. And that's not talked about really. You don't hear about that. You just hear, oh, like, you know, there's restaurants that had difficulties a year ago and they needed money to stay, you know, with rent and all that. But you don't hear about, because yeah, it is, I was somewhere yesterday. I was some, I, I live above, it's not, I don't live anywhere fancy at all, but there's a steakhouse, a Morton Steakhouse. It, I live above one. And yes, it was yes, yesterday, it's Mother's Day, but Friday night, it looked like, normal times it looked like to you it was so so packed i could see just tons of people and i thought what the heck is going on this is and i'm sure that they're short-staffed i'm sure it's yeah. i i don't know and and they're all their meat so the meat prices i'm sure their margins are thin and uh, i don't know oh yeah i was out of town this past weekend to another ski town uh close by and my son had a lacrosse tournament but we went to a couple um restaurants while we were there and um, man you can you can see it man it's going to be a tough summer in my opinion uh-huh. people are hurting on staffing and people that are passionate to work and you know to 
to people like us that understand the restaurant business. Yeah. Whenever I walk in a restaurant, I'm always looking around to see how everything's yeah, operating. Yeah. And, you know, we see things that other people don't notice. You know, every restaurant I went in, it was some sort of mistake was going on. Uh -huh. They were short staffed. It was just, I don't know. It's just, it's concerning, you know, because like Jeff said, the demand's there. People yeah. are wanting to get back out. They're wanting to spend money. They want to go out and have some uh, atmosphere instead of just eating at home. And uh, it's, it's, it, it could be interesting this summer as far as the staffing issue goes. Yeah, because they're so, talking about like rental cars are a thousand dollars a day, <laughs> and, and like there's a crazy. So people are just and like places are booked up. I, I there was someone that was saying like, oh, and it was like a town that was way outside in Texas, out like in uh, Marathon, Texas, small town, but they were like ninety five percent capacity for their hotel. Like that's for almost all summer. So things are. It's people are itching to go out. So maybe that's something that maybe going forward, I should try to help create a movement of people. Be nice to your restaurant tours. Be patient. Be don't jump to Yelp. Don't don't because this is this is a time where you we all have to kind of work together and, and you know, understand that things are going when you go there, there might be a little bit of a wait or might be a hiccup. But you're lucky to be out. You know, a year ago, we didn't think yeah. we'd even eat a restaurant. So maybe again, or yeah. I think as I think as consumers, um, I think this is kind of the next lesson that, that's important for for the whole world to learn as a lesson from COVID is, uh, you know, as consumers, I think that we're really going to have to learn to take take some breaths yeah. and relax and, and understand because most industries are facing difficulties and hurdles right now, and, and we need to we need to to emphasize with that, you know, and to understand that it's just, it's a tough time. Yeah. You know, we're having a tough time getting products. We're having a tough time getting the labor to, to create the level of hospitality that we want to, but we're, everybody's doing the best they can. And so yeah. I think, I think it's really important that consumers just take a deep breath this yeah. summer and, and deal with the lines and, and, and don't cuss out the girl at the front desk no. because we're out of ribs on a Saturday afternoon. And, you know, it's just, think it's important this conversation is gonna is going to resonate with me because i think that's something maybe that'll be part of my, my little mission is to help people you know on the outside understand what you guys are dealing with because i think i, I i've seen it i've seen people irritated i got some food to go somewhere recently and it was people were being terrible and i kept thinking just enjoy the fact that you're out outside and that you're not yeah you're not cooped up and you're allowed to do things and it's just yeah so it's Okay, well let's let's talk about let's kind of end this with what can people expect menu wise. What is, what what is Moe's about? Like what's when if someone's visiting a Moe's original, what are the, what's the menu? You know, our main core is our pork, chicken, turkey, and ribs. Okay. Um, we also have you know our, our wings, our, our shrimp sandwich, our catfish. Um, you know, but uh, past that, we will have uh, our spe daily special sides every day. Um, you know, we're those are made fresh every day. We have our bean slaw, potato salad, chips, banana pudding as our core sides. But then on top of that, you'll have anywhere from three to five or six more special sides that are rotating out throughout the day. Okay. And, you know, we try to make it as fast as possible for people these days to get in and get out and enjoy their lunch. Okay. And we're trying to keep it as, as, as a, uh, as feasible as we can with the price. That's a that's a tough one day to day right now with the rising food costs. But you know we're we we 
want that atmosphere there for the for the uh, customer coming in, and we want fresh food, and we want to get it to them fast and at a reasonable price. So all the locations will essentially have that, right? Yes. And then some of them. Did you some of them have brisket? I thought I saw something that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have different areas that will carry brisket depending on the demand. Yeah. Um, we personally do it as a special here once a week. Okay. But some a couple of our stores have put it on uh, permanently, and it's going. It, it goes well, but there again, you know, we don't know what the future is going to bring because those uh, brisket, yeah, those prices, the yeah. per pound price is just skyrocketing, and. Uh, Personally, here we've we've made a decision to just take it off for the time being until that price comes back down, and um, you know that's that's been another message. Like I told you when I was calling, is everybody's got to be really flexible uh, because we think there's going to be shortages and outages throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that might be something that the customer really needs to understand this summer. Is you're going to see a lot of things off the menu or. Uh, sold out temporarily just just through the um, shortages that we're seeing in the supply chain. Yeah, no, I'm, and I'm interviewing a guy from Texas A&M, the meat science department, next week because I want to talk to him about supply because I, I was on some calls last year with with meat with they were talking about chicken and po- like poultry and they were talking about beef and they were talking about how some of these. Uh, I hate to say slaughterhouses on a, a thing about food, but they were they, they they were short staff and they weren't able to get the animals into like it was. There's a lot of different things down the line, and if they can't, if they don't have people or, or even the, the truckers, there's there's issues with that. So, yeah. so yeah, so that so people should expect that there might be. Well, like, can you guys comfortably raise prices, or is that a hard thing to do for? We actually we are kind of starting to raise prices yeah. there's um you know the the profit margin in the, in the industry is is slim to start with yeah and, and when you when you take into account all the different things that we're dealing with from from just your basic protein prices going up to you know two-thirds of our two-thirds of our business right now across the across the country is to go so we're adding a whole lot of paper products oh, yeah. to put the same meals out uh, the labor, you know, minimum wage is increasing across the board. Um, so, you know, we've, we've kind of for the last couple of years anticipated that the cost of going out to eat Moe's or anywhere yeah. is, is probably going to re- go up 25 to 30 percent, you know, in the, in the next few years. Now, I think that's I think it's going to start to happen. I think that, I think you're right. you know, a, ten, a $10 meal two years ago real real soon will be you know thirteen dollars for the exact same mm-hmm. meal i just i don't think that the industry can continue you know as, as operators we can't we can't absorb all these costs mm-hmm. so it has to be passed on to the consumers and it just has to be almost a new you know a new way of looking at the industry mm-hmm. and, and what dining calls to take you and your family out to eat yeah and i, th- I think that people will hopefully understand i think i think they will it's uh, what what type type of hours then is your legal location open and what like generally as a rule a mose is open what would it be these times uh, five days a week is it or uh i mean we we most of our stores are open seven days a week okay but like i said we've got different areas that are really struggling with labor so but all in all everybody's open seven days a week we open 11 to 9 at most locations mm-hmm. You know, certain college locations will stay open a little bit later. 
but uh, you know that's kind of our, our general uh, rule of thumb. And beer and wine at all locations? Beer, wine, liquor, liquor at location. most locations. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully have some football on for your wife. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like real football with fam, maybe like full, like semi-full stadiums. Well, now, uh, is it, would you recommend then, because it's like I've been trying to push people to buy merch and to get gift cards and, and people, they won't, they, I don't think people would always think of you guys as a franchise, but it's to support, because they're all local, local stores the best way to, to support them, too, is to get merch. Do you guys sell uh, sauce? I, I apologize for not knowing if you guys sell it. Okay. We sure do. Okay. All our merchandise online. Yeah. And it's been, we've definitely had a lot of people supporting the businesses, and that's one thing that we've really noticed is we've, we've really tried to be very uh, transparent and honest with the customer about what's going on. And, uh, man, everybody's been very supportive, I'll, I'll be honest. We have had some tough times over the past year with uh, certain customers and them not being happy with how, how things had changed. But all in all, with us being honest with the customer, whether it has to do with reduced store hours because of labor or reduced menu offerings due to shortage and supply chain issues, everybody's been very supportive, and it's been great. It's been really good. That's nice. And it's nice to see that too, because, you know, when it seems like you guys have been kind of going forward with your blind, not blinders on, but just head down. And now it's like some introspective moments throughout this last year. And to see that people do care. And, and a year from a year ago, who knows, who knew if we'd even be having this conversation. And, and especially the last, the first couple of weeks, I was thinking like, it would be like uh, Mad Max or something. Like people would be like trying to hoard gasoline. You know, I just never, you never knew what was going to happen. So. Yeah. It's been crazy. I mean, every day was just a, a, like you said, a roller coaster ride. We didn't, it was one minute we were happy. The next minute we were nervous. The next minute we were like, am I sick? It's just been crazy. Yeah, I know. Every like, headache, every cough, every sneeze. Was, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and I take so, care of my mom, uh, and she cough, and she got. I don't have it. I'm like, mom, there's no way you'd have it because you're not going anywhere, and I'm pretending. <laughs> <so. laughs> you, you can't cough in public anymore. Like turns your head. <laughs> I know. I, I like. I hold sneezes in until like I'm like around the corner because I'm like because I, I have bad allergies, and I'm like I don't want. People that's yeah, it's, yeah. it's so what are all the best ways to get a hold of you guys online all the all the social media the, and the website what's the website address uh mo's original bbq.com all right um and mo every all our information's on there um you know we're we're on website. social media through uh facebook and instagram also chandler that you've been talking yeah. with takes care of that she does a great, great job, job yeah. and you know we're just continuing to grow our, our social media and can, we're pushing to, to grow the brand this year. We think it's going to be a little bit slower, obviously, as, as uh, people kind of get back in the full swing of things. But, you know, we just opened a new store in Peachtree Corners right outside of Atlanta. It's doing great. We're getting ready to open another store in Madison, Alabama, which is right next to Huntsville. Oh. And we're, uh, we're cruising along. Our, our store owners there in Huntsville have been doing great, Chris and Mike, and uh, you know they're they're pushing along, so it's great. So, if someone was interested in opening a franchise, what's the best way just to get a hold of you through the website? Yes, sir. Yeah, and we Jeff will usually talk with them, and then we'll see if we can come up with a, a training game plan. And uh, so, Jeff's the gatekeeper. 
The, the best thing is that the first step after we talk on the phone is come to Vail for a long weekend and come hang out, ski or mountain bike, and just kind of meet. You know, it's really important um, since we don't we don't look at it as your typical franchise. It's really a partnership to us. It's a very two way street in our world, and That's so important. super important for us and our partners or potential partners to understand each other, be on the same page, mm -hmm. have the same yeah. interest in, in life and hospitality and barbecue. Um, so, so we really kind of have a good time, even if it never materializes, we always have a fun time meeting some new people come out to Vail and kind of introduce them to our team and, and our concept out here um, and, and kind of see our way of life. And yeah, that makes sense. So it's, it's kind of fun, even if it doesn't materialize. Come on out to yeah, yeah, that's not that's <laughs> not terrible at all. That's not. <laughs> Have a good week. Take care, guys. Cool. Thanks, Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks nice. a lot. All right. See you. Take Later. Bye. Bye.